gotta speak through this power bomb. Tell those punks. Setting out on a long drive home. And what do you often do now when setting out on a long drive home? You've just filled the gas tank. Snacks and entertainment are an easy reach for distribution to the kids for the inevitable moment that their restlessness calcifies into antagonism. You pull up the navigation on the in-car infotainment display, and you tell it to guide you home. You've made this drive plenty of times before, and it's not strictly necessary, but it's still satisfying to know how many miles and hours and minutes you have to go. Kind of fun to watch your trip's progress right there on the dashboard, like you're actually living in the crazy future you were always promised. You don't need the directions. It's just State Road 25 to Interstate 26 to I-81 to I-64, but it's just what you do now. And look at that. Google Maps says if you take I-85 to 29 instead, you'll shave 20 minutes off your half day on the road. How convenient. But wait, you think. I've been up that way before. I've been up that rod. That rod leads through half a dozen of the most punishingly banal small American cities in this part of the country, where a town is what they call the part of the highway where the speed limit dips to 45 miles per hour, and you have to wait at four or five stoplights before you squeeze through the other side. And you can go back to cruising at 75 for 20 minutes before the trees give way again to a couple of gas stations that represent a significant chunk of this next particular hamlet's cultural infrastructure. Just a mile of half-deserted strip malls with the same vaguely southwestern stucco facades with their pallets of gray and brownish mauve. But each turret unfailingly topped with an American flag, the stars and stripes waving proudly over the darkened doors between the cheapo Mexican restaurant on one end and the payday loan place on the other. The only storefront still open, with maybe a vape shop coming soon where the dry cleaners used to be. But it's not all desiccated strip malls and half-abandoned car dealerships here in Shelby, North Carolina. There's a half-dozen fast-food franchises here, too, busy and always hiring, all gleaming glass and aluminum, looking more like a few cell phones stacked into a building shape than they do a restaurant. Oh, and here's a drive through only cookout that looks like a repurposed shipping container, which is probably smart because this place is dying the slow death that all the in-between places in America are dying. And maybe they'll just be able to lift it onto the back of a semi and drive it to the next place when Shelby is all dried up. So, nope, you don't want to go down that rod. You'd rather take the extra 20 minutes and go through the mountains in North Carolina and Tennessee and on up into the Blue Ridge, where the car windows transform into a perfect panorama view screen of the staggering beauty of this part of our still staggeringly beautiful world, if you know the road to take. A road that's a few miles longer and might technically take you 20 more minutes to get to the end of. But even when what's waiting for you at the end of the road is your very own home, you don't mind the extra time. Because the minutes go by faster, the miles come easier when they're not flat, boring expanses dotted periodically with reminders of our decay. 20 minutes? Well worth it. And as you take the ramp onto I-26... 
You don't even notice that Google has routed you onto 26 East rather than West, sending you back across the state in the wrong direction, intent on getting you to 85 North after all. Because when you look down, your arrival time has improved by two minutes, and you think, see, Google, I'm already making up those minutes you were so worried about. But a few minutes later, something doesn't feel quite right. You're coming down out of the mountains instead of going up into them, and the navigation says the next road is 74, not 81, and the rotten fucking algorithm has sent you on a detour around all that pesky, majestic natural splendor in favor of a flat and empty couple hundred miles punctuated with the aforementioned putrefying commerce and a bunch of corrugated steel-paneled warehouses that are alternately seasonal fireworks depots and churches. And for what? to shave two minutes off a whole day in the car. Because the machine, the machine we built, the machine over which we no longer exercise any control, the machine knows best. The machine thinks that what you want is to simply get home as quickly as possible. The machine keeps solving for that one problem, no matter how many times you catch and dismiss the notification that insists that there is a faster route available. So at the end of the half-day trip, it all feels like it took much longer, even as the machine insists that it got you home two minutes faster than expected. The machine saved you two minutes. But what did it cost? You can't show the machine what it cost because it didn't cost you anything. But still, it cost you. And as the old song sort of says, the sun is the same in a relative way, but you're older shorter of breath and two minutes closer to death. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How are you doing, Lori? I'm good. Is 81 to the west of or to the east of your... Your starting point. All right. So I'm in a car with uh, two young, obnoxious okay. children. Does it change and, where and places what I, are? what I know <laughs> is that the next road I'm getting on is 26. And then I look down, and the next road that Google says I should be getting on is 26. So I just do that. I don't particularly care okay. in that moment to, to double-check that I should it's be getting on west or east. the sense of direction that you have, naturally, is all I'm saying. I knew the moment I got on 26 that something was going wrong. By the way, today is uh, <laughs> Monday, August 30th, 2021. I knew the moment that I took that right that something was off and I was doing the you wrong were going thing. going the opposite direction. Right, because I was going the wrong way on a road that I have never been on before. Right. But because of the way this all works, where you have to drive 15 more miles before there's another exit to turn around to go back those 15 miles to go back up so it so i would have had to then added another 30 minutes to my trip that google was already adding 20 minutes to by shoving me off in this other direction right i i, I can never figure out why google maps and i'm sure I, I use google maps i don't use uh the other ones like apple or whatever some of the suggestions don't make sense to me. Like I would make it a habit, like you were saying, how sometimes even if you know where you're going, you still kind of have it on. Yours was a much uh, more pleasant explanation. Me, I, I just don't trust this thing. So it's like when I'm on the road somewhere else where I don't know, then I'm just at your mercy. So I just right. assume you're right. 
But when I'm in Atlanta or the metro Atlanta area, I know all of the places by now. And so I just follow what it says. You're doing and it for traffic. It's different. Right. But what I'll do is I'll, I'll say, okay, I'm going to meet some friends in like Roswell or whatever. And I'll say, oh, at this time of day, it's going to take you 45 minutes or whatever. And then I'll just deliberately go to places it tells me not to go. And it's like, oh, now it's 41 minutes. And now it's 30 seconds. It's like, why didn't you tell me that? Why am I blindly shaving minutes off the top? Because it, whatever, I don't know what algorithm it uses to say it's that. It's trying to control 45. you. It's trying to control you the way that fucking Fauci is, right? This is the same thing. It's giving you bad information in the hopes that you will do more for the greater good of the Atlanta metro traffic situation or something like and that. And also, there, the alternatives, uh, there's uh, ways, I think. Google bought them, but they still, yeah, they're Google still kind of. Ways. But it's a separate app, right? And that app is way too aggressive. It's like get in this yeah. person's neighborhood to like say forty seconds. Yeah. It's like no, I don't want to take an unnatural left I, and hold up traffic. There were certain game days in Athens where I would. It, maybe it wasn't Google Maps at the time, but my it was. I had a Google Map thing, and I knew my way through those neighborhoods. Yeah. And it would never direct me that way. You know, yeah, when it's it w- like, it's going to take you an hour to go four miles. It's like, yeah. no, it won't. But thanks for not telling anyone. You know, like, <laughs> these people deserve their privacy. But by now, they, they you know, like uh, another thing, like you're saying, Bob, like if, if you're taking a trip, like, why didn't they have a feature? like, are you in a particular hurry? Because, like, you're going through some uh, prime real estate, you know, like. I know it can't right. communicate so to you I that plug way. In, but like- I plug in home. I, I, I fill the car up with gas. I give the kids the their lunch that we had just bought, and I hit home on the navigation thing, and it pops up with three different routes, A, B, and right. C. And the one that I want is B because A is up 85 to 29, which is a dreadful drive through like the biggest city is Greensboro, North Carolina. <laughs> and that's awful. And it's assuming and, it's also and you have the to worst stretch of eighty five there. Charlotte traffic. Yeah. Like there's just no reason to go that way. Especially since all the worst traffic around Asheville has basically been solved in the last couple of years. They fixed like they were doing road work around Asheville and that's been cleaned up, so you're not gonna run into traffic in Asheville probably. And like there's just no reason traditionally it's been a six minute difference. Is yeah. is that if I'm sitting at home and I plug in my dad's address, it's six minutes saved if I go down 29 to it 85. It feels hours faster. And it legitimately feels hours faster to go through the mountains, to go through Tennessee instead. And it's just a, a wonderful, relaxing drive. Right. And and I said, no, Google, I don't want that. I want this one. And as I so I selected it and I head in that direction. And like half a dozen times... In that first twenty minutes, it's like faster route available, yeah. and it's and it's not. Would you like to take the faster route? Press yes to opt in. It's, it's like an opt-out faster thing, right? route available, yeah. and if you're not looking at the screen in the next ten seconds yeah. to dismiss or this, if you don't have a co-pilot noti- notification, at the then it's going to change you to the faster route available. Right. Another reasonable question would be: How many times have you driven backward back from your dad's house? And it would as be a I lot. Said, as I said, I've done it a million times. If you just don't rely on a map and just rely on your internal sense of direction, then you don't, you right. don't need and it. And I know the, the point is that if what I'm thinking in my head as I get to Interstate 26 is I need to get on 26 and I look down and Google says 
uh, take this exit for 26. That's what I'm going to do because it's right. it's telling me the right thing in my head. And at, at that point, I've already told it, this is the way we're going. I'm right. I'm fucking 30 right. minutes north right. from the last time we had this conversation, you asshole. <laughs> that is and that's the, what pissed me off the most about it is that if I had just taken their – the the first trip the first time then i would have saved an actual like 25 minutes it would have gotten me home at 606 according to the first estimates and then by the time it's now still trying to send me in that direction so i have a 6:30 eta if i go up the way that i want to go versus a 606 eta if i go the way it wants me to go and i look back down at my screen after it's detoured me off to go back the way it wants me to go and now it's 628 so it's yeah. gone from saving me something that most people would say that's an actual amount of time, right? You would never, for example, be getting into your town and after a six-hour drive and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the 25-minute way around town before I decide to pull in my driveway. No, that would be insane. Yeah. But it wouldn't be that insane to take a two-minute shortcut if right. you're only fucking uh, two miles from home. Right. But that's what that's what really – like put he the then nail, called uh, me and yelled at yeah, me. Two things put the nail in the coffin. <laughs> One is that after I'd already set, like committed to driving in this other direction for right. 40 fucking miles, Google was like, no, nah, fuck you. I'm secretly going to send you in this other way. Right. Uh, it also sent me into a fucking monsoon on the interstate, which I hate driving in, in pouring goddamn rain on the oh, interstate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Not because sucks. I have a problem with it, but because – no one else seems to know how to drive as soon as it starts raining. Everybody's suddenly driving 30 miles per hour and they put their hazards on. Like, don't put your fucking hazards right. on, you idiots. <laughs> we can all see. You just turn on your what, headlights. The weirdest we can thing see the lights. Have. Where did that know. start? Was Very this like a, something that was taught in school no. in error and they're trying to correct it? Because I don't understand where that started. Is it just like a reflexive? I need people to. I need to be seen. And actually, if I don't know what the purpose of this is. If you're not in a funeral is. procession, going from like the wake to the burial ground, from the church to the burial ground, or like the only reason to put your hazards on is if you're actually pulled off on the side. If you put your hazards on, pull off on the si- side of the goddamn road and wait the storm out there. Don't right. drive at 30 miles per hour in the passing lane because it's fucking raining and having right. your hazards on somehow think you think that's good. Anyway. Fuck you, you got that off <laughs> but I do so that was a fun good, show good night everyone <laughs> you do make a good point you've already considered that route that you're trying to redirect me to unless something happens don't yeah it's an annoying thing that Google does what is the good being considered there by the fucking app why why is the app so it insistent on the saving previous, me fucking right. 90 seconds when I because don't want keeps, that it, it forgot that you made that decision already so it's like oh a faster way this fucking human will love it and then, yeah. you know, they did not. More proof that uh, the future is fucking bogus. Everything <laughs> sucks now. <laughs> Things are better. Like, you know, uh, at least the, as, as much uh, as these apps kind of uh, frustrate me, at least they kind of, oh, by the way, there's like an accident. It's like, oh, thanks for letting me know that. You know, at least they have that. I mean, the, the Rand McNally types with the map. It's like, hey, <laughs> this is where 85 is usually. Like, figure sure. it and out. And we've like, been, I have, I have been saved like multiple hours on the road by detouring around. A, a, but it takes usually a co-pilot because it's not safe to look at a screen while you're trying right. to drive 80 miles an hour. Right. Right. It takes having a, a second person with their own device saying, right. oh, go here. Anyway, that was a couple of weeks ago. 
As you can probably tell by the sound of my voice, I'm still a little bit under the weather. That's why we didn't record last week. I'm at the tail end of a second summer cold of the season for me. So we took last week off because I never would have been able to scream appropriately into the (laughs) microphone in my state last Monday night. But summer has come to an end here, basically. As far as we are concerned, the kids are back in school. So hopefully after a summer, a hot podcast summer in which we sort of only went like twice a month uh, for the last couple months, if you you do the math on there, we're going to get back into the every single week fresh cast iron brains in the old podcast feed. As I said, the kids are back in school. They went back, they started last Wednesday, and since we're always discussing, we're just violating their HIPAA rights constantly on this podcast, we will uh, further discuss their problems. I think when they go to school is HIPAA. It's Everything a joke. Is HIPAA. There's, a, there's a funny joke about HIPAA on the internet. You're not cool like me and can make all of the hip, cool HIPAA jokes from Twitter. You're right. From the, I'm not the website, like you. Twitter.com and my HIPAA jokes. Anyway, school started last Wednesday, and then naturally, of course, Wednesday night, Katie had a fever and was getting this cold that I've had. And so because Katie had a fever, she couldn't go to school. And because Katie had a fever, Calvin also couldn't go to school because of the way the COVID protocols work now, which is that if anyone in your house has a fever, then until there's either clearance from a pediat- from a doctor saying that everybody's fine or there is a negative COVID result as far as getting a test done, a PCR test, uh, then nobody can return to school until that happens. So they missed, they went to school Wednesday, they missed Thursday and Friday, even though we had the negative COVID test by Friday morning. And then we're back, back to school uh, this morning, this Monday morning. Oh, nice. For day two. Something that the school did, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to complain too loudly about the the in-school masking stuff, uh, as silly as I think it is. But they are making them wear masks outside all of the time that they're on the school grounds. So even when they go to have recess outside, they have to wear masks, which... Super dumb. It's super dumb. And, like, especially the fact that they're running around and getting sweaty and gross, and therefore the masks are going to get sweaty and gross and become not just ineffective but in many cases actually counterproductive in terms of like it being a gross piece of wet cloth that you're keeping in front of your face for the rest of the day if you're not a smart kid who knows to change their fucking mask when it gets uh soiled right i I was was just driving by uh elementary school here in atlanta and i saw the same thing i was like maybe did something change? I thought the whole outside yeah, thing they was changed different. It. And I'm not—I don't mean outside, like in, like you know, uh, Lollapalooza outside where everybody's like yeah. on each other. It's just like a bunch of kids just running around. It's you know fairly. Right. And it's aside from the fact that it is proven fairly conclusively that it's very hard to transmit to to give this disease to other people uh, when you're outside running around in the open air. I sort of get it as a as a district wide a, a, like a school system decision. Just simplify. Everybody has to yeah, wear masks yeah. on school grounds all the time. That's just what we're going to do instead of trying to police. The less nuance, the better. Right. Sure. That's all. That's all fine when we're dealing with a bunch of small children. If you're going to have the mandate, it might as well be a, a full on mandate. I guess. What drives me nuts is seeing. Because now, of course, there are more parents than ever walking their kids to school, in part because 
we don't have enough bus drivers hired right yeah. now to bus yeah. all the children to school, which is just staggering that there's a lack of an ability to get kids to the building, uh, which is a serious problem for some people. Not everybody has the ability to get their kids to school every day. They did a story on the shortage. It's not, I guess it's happening in many other places, uh, but yeah. they were saying that, you know, the, the, the typical school driver was like, you know, typically older, you know, more susceptible and the hours are not very, you know, very few hours. Basically, there was like a cost benefit analysis. And I guess a lot of school bus drivers were like, fuck it. It's just not worth the risk versus the few hours that I'm driving them. Like I'm not getting rich off this. So right. I don't know if that was like the, the, the total experience of all the bus drivers, but at least for some of them, they're like, it's just not worth yeah, the nobody, risk. Very now. few people are living off of being a school bus driver. I, I imagine right. it's a supplement to most of them. Right. And right. especially in the age of enhanced unemployment benefits, it's easier to just not. But what I'm getting at is the parade of parents walking from either our neighborhood or from the they use our neighborhood as a staging area because it's easy to park in our neighborhood and then walk your kid to the back door of our school just like everybody who lives in our neighborhood does. But the parade of parents who are walking up to the school from the car with masks on in the in the out of doors, right? Like it's not like we're in line at the right, right. baseball stadium waiting for hot dogs or something like that. And so you're right. you're all jumbled up. Like it's just a couple of dozen people at most that you can see as far as the eye can see. And they're walking around with the masks on. And they're 100% the same people who are like going to restaurants and wineries every weekend. Right. This is this yeah. is the same exact crowd whose like life, whose life is people. basically completely back to normal, and right. in fact is probably largely better because they don't have to go into the office eighty five percent of the right. time anymore. They're just working from home, earning their same comfortable living, except they're doing it from the den instead of having to go to work every day. <laughs> no commute, they, no gas, no nothing. Yeah, right. And they and and they're going like Lori is saying. The restaurant business is doing just fine in this town. Like everybody's fine. Everybody's still getting their hair cut. Everybody's still getting their cut and color done. like. Right. And to just call it – so I'm of two minds as usual. But to just call it virtue signaling is is sort of both true and also beside the point, right? Because I think that if you could actually figure all of this stuff out empirically, what you would find is that the masks, especially out of doors, make no difference. Right. right. So let's say masks are helpful inside. Let's caveat that. Masks are good in crowded interior places with poor ventilation. I don't think I'm being a crazy person when I say that masks in the out of doors are largely fucking pointless. But I think that if you could do a serious and you can't really, but if you could do a, a full, rigorous, scientific, empirical study of what's actually happening is you would might even find that in places where masking is more heavily mandated and is actually being implemented by the, the public in that area, you would find that there's less spread of the, of the virus, but it, not because of the mask, but because of the, the virtue signal of wearing the mask actually leads to people taking other precautions in their uh-huh. lives, taking the, making, because they're willing to show that they're taking it seriously in this one way, that it actually leads to impacts uh, down the line. No causal thing whatsoever. Purely correlative in terms of the interplay between wearing masks and there being less spread of disease. But if there is any, and I, I would guess that it has nothing to do with the actual wearing of masks 
when you walk your kid from the sidewalk to the back door of the school, then it has much more to do with your willingness to play ball with all of the other stuff. Isn't that itself a benefit if that's indeed what's happening? Right, but then why does it have to become a political, stupid culture right. war thing right. if that's I mean, all it is, right? And right. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't it actually be much better to be honest and tell people the truth, which is that uh, there's no reason for your kids to be wearing a mask in the out of doors when they're running around on the playground. It doesn't actually help anything. And, right. if, and it's sort of like the stupid ivermectin conversation, right? Right. So as dumb as that is, as dumb as it is for a person to go to the tractor supply store and try <laughs> to get them to sell you a tub of paste that would ordinarily go to a horse to prevent right. parasites of some kind or another. And then for you to take that home and try to take it as some sort of medical intervention so that you, you don't get uh, coronavirus or to treat it because people are taking it both prophylactically and also as a treatment. The way that the media and the, the Twitter Illuminati are treating it as like, oh, look at these idiots taking the veterinary medicine to stave off the virus when there's just a vaccine. Like ivermectin has been prescribed Literally the, billions of times, but that's not what they're taking, right? They're taking. They're, they're not taking. They're taking some weird animal. So yeah, thing. there is. There you can find a couple of idiots on a right. Facebook group who are saying, "I went to the tractor supply store to try to buy ivermectin," but when you dismiss the entire thing as being people are taking horse medicine, because that's not what they're trying to do, right? They're trying right. to get ivermectin which is prescribed to hundreds of millions like people take it's just given out prophylactically in africa to hundreds of millions of people every year for the uh, prevention of the river blindness disease and for for other uh, river parasites just real quick just to kind of finish up on the the mask thing i always just assumed that parents you know i never thought that they were like i mean i guess some of them are virtue signaling i just thought they were just like since my kid is going to be all masked up all day i'm just We'll just be on the same page as I drop them off, it's, right? I don't think they think that, oh, this is actually helping anything. It's just like you're, you're wearing it, I'm wearing it, we're all doing the same thing. The kid feels less, you know, different and whatever. On the ivermectin side, and this is not just this particular drug, but the HCQ thing and whatever other nonsense that keeps coming up. Why is it the people who are for it and the people who are against it, it doesn't even matter what the, your opinions are on it. Why is social media the platform for this? Shouldn't you be talking to your doctor as to what, what, like, what is it that people who are promoting these things, what do they hope to accomplish? Because they're communicating and mostly to just laymen, just like you and me. Like, I'm not a doctor. I, don't, I wouldn't know one way or the other. And a couple of months ago, I went to see my primary care physician just to kind of, you know, I always go once a year to say I'm still alive. Nothing's the matter, you know? Right. And uh, he, you know, and usually nothing is, so we just bullshit for a few minutes. Uh, and he was telling me about how he prescribed this ivermectin thing. I was like, oh, from the internet, because that's where I've heard it. That's the only time I've ever heard it. And he was like, it actually worked in this one specific case, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, great. That's great. Like, in this setting, it's perfect. But, like, what is it that people online, what, do you, what is it that they're trying to, maybe I'm missing it. What is it that they want to happen for people to go to their doctors and ask for it or to do what people have been doing now which is they hear something online mixed messaging they think you know one type of ivermectin is all the same and they get something else and they get into worse trouble like i don't understand how this is the right platform to communicate 
medical decisions. Just talk to your doctor. Right. No, it, it's certainly not. And I, th- I think it's a vanishingly small number of people who are actually going and trying to get horse medication to right. ingest as a means of treating COVID. I think it's far more people who are talking about it because it's a fun fucking game to play to talk about how, well, you know, ivermectin's been around for 40 years and it's a generic and it only costs $3 a pill. But the pharmaceutical companies can make way more money selling right. these, Is that these the vaccines. The, like it's all just conspiracy theory right. narrative. The big companies are like they're pushing expensive stuff when you have relatively cheap stuff. They're generics. They've been around for a long time. They're 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 not talking that up not because it doesn't work but because they're, they're, they don't stand to make a profit. Right. Is that, and I don't think that it's just my naivete speaking when I say that if ivermectin could, without any side effects, be prescribed to billions of people as a means of preventing coronavirus, then they would be doing that. Like, right. there is still money to be made by right, doing because, that. The, right. the federal government would be happy to pay even an inflated price of $5 a dose or something like that if we could safely take that as a means of getting the global economy back on track. Like right. there's, <laughs> it's because there are competing interests here. While pharma, big pharma is a big, bad bunch of conglomerates who only care about their own profits largely, right? Sure, yes. But also there's like this whole other thing, which is far larger, which is the rest of the entire global economy, which, which has yeah. a, a much larger competing interest in making sure that the pandemic ends. If what you're thinking in your head is that pharma just wants it to go on forever so That's they can the keep giving these boosters. That's the thing that drives me most crazy is the idea that there's a they wanting to control the you. What? Like, to do what? Yeah. <laughs> what? And this is how? Yeah. This is the this... worst. It's not working. There are easier ways to, to go about it. It's, I on, don't, on... I can't. One thing I, uh, sometimes, you know, online people, you know, somebody will, some pastor or some radio personality blow hard who talk down the virus and now they're like dead or something or they're like you know it's struggling like, to makes live makes me happy whenever i see it there was, there was a <laughs> there was a headline in the new york post because of course now it's a it's like a whole genre now it's of, a genre of of news story which is this asshole uh joked about how coronavirus is fake and now he's dead and it's like people just can't help but to write that story no, and then send good. out the story to their tribe and whatever there was a headline in the new york post i think it was and it was like third conservative right-wing talk show host dies after talking about how coronavirus is a hoax or whatever and and saying he's not going to get the vaccine. And somebody retweets the story and he's saying... Mm, something doesn't seem right here. Like, oh. like, it, it, it's like, like, I wonder what somebody's taking out these conservative right wing no, talk show hosts exactly. who it's, won't take. Like, that's that's where their brains go. Yes, is that it's not that he got the fucking coronavirus. They right, gave it to him and somehow. died. It's that somebody killed him and now wants to change the narrative to right. Uh, this dummy wouldn't take the virus like, medicine. It's the best. It's I've so good. That. For the record, I don't take any joy in anybody dying. I don't, like, I, in, joy it, isn't it, it, what it is. I it hate just it. feels it, good. I, I look at mind, it and I feel bad about all humans. Whenever I, I see I, somebody tweeting one of those things. I, I just don't uh, – like in my mind, like I, I maybe I just I, – I know people get in their head and they think stupidly and, and they 
they think they're above it and then they're not. They're humans and they die. Like it's never a good thing when that happens. So I'm not – that wasn't the, 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 the purpose of me bringing this up. But like sometimes people have criticized when people seek medical treatment. They're like, oh, now you trust mm. the science and the this yeah. and the that. And, and, and I was thinking of it like there are – it seems like people who are – reactive and others are proactive so like all you know like the vaccine is just a proactive thing get, get in front of it get your body set up some people don't think that way so they're like fuck it what i'm healthy now like what you're you're, you're uh, uh, what do i need you to, to to make sure that i stay healthy so people don't have a problem with the medical treatments it's just in their mind they think which is currently, also I don't need experimental it. Right. Like it's but no they, more proven than any vaccine. Right. But exactly, yeah. So when they get it, now they're in the reactive thing, and then now all options are on the table. Now it's give me whatever. Like just give it to me because I am actually in this shit right now, right? So it's just like the, a, a kind of a way people think. It's probably the same thing uh, with the, the whole global warming thing. Like, oh, sea levels are fine now. Like why are we doing all this shit? And then like 40 years from now, people are going to be like, oh, fuck, let's – Get more canoes or whatever. Like, I have to say, for the record, it's when it's the talk show hosts and the the people with microphones, not the regular people that the, die, that get COVID and die. When not, Lori's talking about the Schadenfreude boner that she gets yeah. when, oh. when bad people die. Yeah, it's not. She's not talking about everyday not talking bad about people. The She's talking people. about right, right, no, yeah, the, the, I'm talking <laughs> about the ones that are in influencers in a real just, way. Yeah. It just even like yeah, the most obnoxious of those people. I just think in the back of the mind when they're like gasping for air, it's like they must not like fuck. I fucked. I mean, there's there's no way around it. I think it. some like, of I them don't. Up. I think some of them are just too religious to care. Speaking of too religious to care, uh, Tate Reeves, the governor of Mississippi, who looks exactly like you think he looks <laughs> if uh, you say the words Tate Reeves and then governor of Mississippi. Governor. <laughs> He must have been uh, some frat, right? Like he just looked like a frat boy who's now like in his fifties. Oh yeah, he uh, he said the following: I'm often asked by some of my friends on the other side of the aisle about COVID, and why does it seem like folks in Mississippi and maybe in the mid South are a little less scared? Shall the we say mid South? When you believe in eternal life, when you believe that living on this earth is but a blip on the screen, then you don't have to be so scared of things. See, too religious to care. Which is and, a ridiculous uh, thing to say if you kind of sound – I mean, <laughs> maybe he was trying to make a different point, but, like, why do you do no. other things that are uh, – you're being safe? Like, why do you have a gun in your house? Like, if somebody comes and shoots you up, them's the brakes, you know? You just go to heaven and live right. the rest of your life. It is one of those things about especially born-again sort of evangelical Christianity that is distinct from – regular old religion as i understood it from catholicism especially which is that uh, actually what happens on earth matters a lot and it's precious and rare and should be protected as much as possible which they get in the context i guess of abortion right uh, because of course it's not actually about the precious and rare life in that case it's about something else entirely uh, but they use the precious and rareness of it as a as a talking point in that case. But when we're talking about a pandemic that's killed uh, in excess of 600,000 people in this country, what he says is, well, I'm good with Jesus, so what difference does it make? Right. Which is just, I don't like to call things gross, but that's, that's fucking gross. Uh, one more thing on the 
COVID talk before we shove along here. They're talking about boosters, and there's all sorts of different ways that they're talking about boosters, whether it's an eight-month booster or a five-month booster, and Israel has had success by giving people a booster, and that's fine for Israel. I am like, I have no interest whatsoever in hearing or talking about boosters for people who got this vaccine four or five, six, eight months ago, whatever it is. The The plan now has to be to get as many people <laughs> the first shot of the goddamn vaccine right. in, in this country and then in Mexico and then in Canada right. and then in the rest of Central America and then in all of South America and then in fucking Africa and then in Europe and then everywhere the goddamn else in, on the planet. That needs to be the plan right. for all of the vaccine that we have. Uh, to stop the spread of this thing that is currently infecting over 100,000 people every day in this country. Like, the the plan cannot be, let's double down on the people who already have a significant degree of protection because they've either had the disease already or they have the protection afforded them by the by the vaccine or both in the event of uh, many millions of people in this country. They both got the virus and they also got the vaccine certain people uh, on this call and and that's good right it's good that we have a healthy amount of protection because you go into a flu season and you there's like a 50 50 shot that your flu vaccine won't fucking do shit for you at all anyway right, right? right. and then there's another 50 percent shot that it will sort of prevent you from having a really bad week and instead you'll only have a really bad two days and right? this year the flu shot's made of placebo so it's going to be great Oh, yeah, yeah, this year they don't know what the fuck to put in there. So who knows what? <laughs> Placebos are strong. They Should work be really fun. well. That's, tr- that's right. But the point is, is that if we're trying to actually get the pandemic back under control, we can't spend any energy worrying about anybody but the absolute most vulnerable getting a, a booster shot. Right? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever for me to get another shot in two or right. three months. Right. You need to give it, get it to the people who don't. And if, if somebody down the street from me won't take it, then ship it to fucking Guatemala and right. stick it in somebody's arm down there, right? Because right. this is a global problem, and we need to get as many people immune to this virus as possible before it mutates again. Now, I think that that's the right answer. I do wonder if uh, because there are public and government officials that their responsibility is to the american people maybe that's why they're taking this approach because but we but we know that even with the responsibility to the american people we've reached basically the peak in terms of that right there's 20 to 24 percent or something of people who tell pollsters reliably that they will not get the vaccine right right so even though with the scare of the delta variant as we've as it's ramped back up here in the last few weeks and over a thousand people are dying now daily right in the yeah. in the last couple of yep. weeks yep. and we're and we're over a hundred thousand a day on the rolling average so it's ramping back up we went over a million vaccine vaccine shots in a single day for the first time in like a month or something the other right. day like there's half a million people who are going out and getting the vaccine every day now that's just sort of where we are we're not going to get 10 million people in a week to go out and get the vaccine all of a sudden. We're not going to get another. So there's 80 million people in this country who don't have it yet. And slowly, more and more will get it. But, like, we're not going to suddenly convince 80 million people to all get the vaccine right now. Not all 80 million, obviously. But I, I do think that I will be interested interested to see how the numbers go with vaccinations over the next two months. Because 
a lot of different companies are, are ramping up their quote unquote mandates. Like Delta, yeah, that's going to had be an interesting strategy, which is not to mandate it, but increase two hundred. Which yeah, that was Lori's idea, and and that I think that is like the the most Charge punitive Fuck one because the other ones the other ones are basically like just get tested more often or whatever, wear a mask. That's not a big hurdle. Like if you're like you know uh, un, unvaccinated slower, like you'll stay the course if you believe in it. But two hundred a month, that is an obscene amount of money, and I can't imagine people will. And all of the, by the way, all of these things will hold up in court. You know, like uh, I mean, the two hundred dollars. We'll see how it happens because I'll, I'm sure somebody will argue. Why don't you do that with people who smoke or people who are overweight and other things? But it's ne- it's never like that specific. Where it's like, oh, th- thirty extra pounds, <laughs> you know, a buck fifty a month or whatever. But I, I do think that for the longest of times, it was like mostly a carrot approach, and now the sticks are coming to play. And we still will have a, a good number of people that are unvaccinated, but I think there'll be a lot more who will be vaccinated. And also, a lot of people are getting the virus itself, you know, so right. a combination but of those things. When I hear Fauci talking about how we need to get people the booster at six months or five months or eight months or whatever the number is that he settled on for this particular media appearance, that sounds to me like a, a quote-unquote public servant who's actually only serving – the constituency of people who are listening to him anyway, right? Right. So, and that's fine. Like, as a politician, I guess, that's fine. But he's not a politician. He's, he's not, supposed yeah. to be thinking in these on, on a grander scale than that. And speaking to the converted is, is no way of conducting a, a public health campaign when you're not actually going to solve the problem going forward. And, the, and, and when the only way to solve the problem is to get more and more people vaccinated. And the, right. for, strict, I'm just talking strictly from a public health perspective. If we can get more people in South and Central America vaccinated who are making their way here, if we can get all 100,000 people coming from Afghanistan vaccinated, that's right. who we should be vaccinating, right? right? The right. people who are willing to get the shot in their arms. Anybody right. who might come anywhere in our orbit or really just sort of be anywhere because the right. way the world works now is that if something bad happens in Mexico, it's going to be happening uh, along the southern border here as well, and it's therefore going to be happening uh, all over the rest of the country as well. Right. I mean, Delta Probably started give in them India. to China because their vaccine sucks. Oh yeah, I know. Right. Some, yeah, yeah. I don't I think mean, China would probably take it, but right now this is a very cynical thing to say. But is it possible one of the contributing factors in them saying, you know, from eight to six to five, basically kind of pushing it up to try to get like a very high number starting in September because the vaccination numbers are going to go through the roof because it's going to be not only the hesitant and the the company made me do it types who have been kind of holding out, but then also the booster type. So like, what are, what, what do you say? We crossed a million. Uh, I think there were days we did over 3 million at, you know, the April, you know, March, April months, you know, like right. when, when people were still getting their first and second. But now if you have people still getting their very first or they're finishing out uh, uh, with the second, you'll be getting also people getting their third and those numbers are going to start to go up and it'll look like oh man we're making a lot of progress we're at two million people getting whatever but most of them are are the yeah but very worried and this isn't exactly the point you're making but i it made me think of something else which is that you're not going to convince somebody who's either 
dug in their heels about not getting the vaccine or is sort of on the fence about getting it to get the vaccine by saying, oh, turns out you've got to get a shot every five fucking months, <laughs> asshole. Right? Like, that's not going to convince people who aren't interested in getting this vaccine right. to go out and get the goddamn vaccine. That's true. Yeah, I, I, I think that, that's why I'm start. I, that's why I, I kind of think that they're just going based on what information they're seeing because it the messaging is terrible that it has to be true. Like, whatever data is coming out of Israel and, and the UK and other places, it's telling them that it, the, the vaccine effectiveness wanes after a certain period. I mean, the six months, eight months, five months, it seems like it's more just like for logistical purposes. That, that's from someone on the outside. All right. Uh, real quick on the Supreme Court killing the bogus eviction moratorium. Bridget's snoring already. There was an eviction moratorium, an emergency thing put in place, enforced somehow by the Centers for Disease Control, apparently, uh, which is a curious place for yeah, that's weird. such a thing to happen. I, like I mean, that. That, that, the decisions are based on the, the weirdness of that, right? They're not really speaking to the issue in general. Right. They're saying it can right. be coming and through the goddamn CDC. Supreme Court basically said, if you want there to be a law, you should make a law. Uh, Congress and the administration, and otherwise, uh, that's not a law, which is like very straightforward. And the fact that the three liberals were on the wrong side of this is there should be a unanimous opinion. Although right. I'm confused now, is this the set? Because didn't we go over this in June? Like, is this the follow up when the this Biden administration the tried to like they, play cute? They said this isn't going to fly. Basically, they said back in June, and then Biden was like, "Well, I'm going to extend it anyway, even though I know that the Supreme Court has said that this isn't going to fly because maybe things will get so bad or something that the Supreme Court will have no choice but or to it'll buy them another couple of months, which it did, didn't it? I mean, basically, they kicked the can for like six weeks or whatever, and that got right. six weeks more. You know, it almost reminded me of like a. Like from the West Wing, like Josh Lyman, like coming up with some procedural nonsense to kind of drag out a vote, just like just. Well, imagine that we live in it, like, and I know that people are upset, and like you know, Cory Bush and AOC think that this is some sort of great crime against uh, all humanity or something because housing is a human right or what have you. But like, are you out of your fucking mind that you want the president to just be able to decree that uh, people don't have to pay rent anymore? Like and that that, prop, that property ownership is a thing that the government just decides when you get to keep the thing as you see fit and and like just explicitly say that property owners don't actually own anything and that instead it's just at the whims of the goddamn president. Like they're, that's they're that's making, what you want. They're not making that argument. Are you just saying you're 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 kind of. You're saying that that's sort of what they're saying. <laughs> that's, if, like, why should the president be able to determine that because of X, Y, and Z that nobody is allowed to get kicked out of uh, somebody else's property? Okay, so I just have a couple of questions because I'm trying to get my head wrapped around this. So there, there was rental assistance carved out in these bills that hasn't really been doled out yet for right. some reason. So many, many billions of dollars were set aside in the various COVID relief bills to go to uh, these rental assistance programs. But in much in the same way that all of that money was set aside for uh, bonus unemployment, you still had to apply for it through the various state bureaucracies, which are simply not equipped, which are in fact, in many states have been designed to be very, very difficult to navigate and to make it hard for you to get 
for example, your unemployment benefits. So as, as we experienced firsthand last year. So the fact that you had to go through various state agencies and state bureaucracies to get this federal money uh, became an immediate problem. And they, according to the New York Times report from a week or 10 days ago, had only distributed up to that point 11% of the money that had been set aside. And I've, despite doing a good bit of reading about this subject, it's not been made clear to me how much of this is on the people doing the renting who are unable to pay their bills and how much of it is supposed to be on the landlords because right. it seems like it's a thing that they have to do together because the government isn't necessarily going to cut a check to the renter who then right. gets to decide if they're going to turn around and pay their rent that month. So what happens is the renter has to do all of the paperwork but doesn't get any of the actual benefit because the check then gets cut to the landlord. Right. So what you're asking these people to do at a time that there's an eviction moratorium for the last year and a half, right? So you're just chilling. And right. yeah, sure, maybe you don't have enough money. But what you know for sure is that you can't be kicked out of your place. So now now they want you to do 18 hours worth of fucking paperwork and deal right. with the obnoxious an impenetrable bureaucracy in this country that is designed to make it hard for you to get anything out of it just so that some other person can cut a check to your landlord. Like you have no incentive. Yeah, sure. Right. As a sort of uh, moral ethical person, maybe you have an incentive, but that's not a hard bar for people to uh, decide right. not to clear. Right. I, I think, um, you know, it, it, it may it made sense to to have a, an eviction moratorium when the pandemic started because you know the governments, the companies, everything was basically closed. You didn't have an opportunity to work. You didn't you couldn't provide you know the means to to pay for the rent. So it kind of made sense. I'm thinking now, like I mean, we're going into September now of 21, right? The pandemic is still kind of hanging around, but you know, officially it's over uh, and people are back at work and. To your point, as far as like what motivation is there for someone to to go through all the paperwork and, and uh, sort it out, do you think that there's a way to, to with this ruling now s settling the matter that the CDC can just circumnavigate the legislative, you know, the Congress who is responsible for this sort of thing uh, and come up with their own rules, could they just have the eviction proceedings in incorporate some sort of diversion thing like? You know, begin the eviction proceedings. They're still at home. You know, I haven't kicked them out yet. But then in that arena, you can say, oh, this person is a suitable person for the rental assistance and then see where that takes you. Because see, but this is where this is where you've got it all backwards, and the original legislation or the the original plan was all backwards. This should have never been framed as rental assistance. Now, of course, it was because there are way more renters, and it's a demo, and, and because it was a democratic Congress, they're more interested in serving or at least being perceived to be serving that class of people rather than the landlord class of people. Right? right? That's that's the brand anyway. It should have not ever been presented as rental assistance. It should have been presented as we're helping the landlords because we know that tens of millions of people in this country aren't going to be able to pay their rent. And we're not going to just give them money. We're already doing that on the, on the front end in terms of the unemployment benefits and all of that stuff, not to mention the family checks that, you know, everybody just got cut checks, right, right. because you were an American. And it's, it was great. It was money that you could go out and spend. But also – 
uh, we're just going to help landlords. So it should have been the landlord assistance program, and that should have been they, they should have applied for it that way. And maybe you go and you have to get an affidavit signed by your tenant that says right. I don't have the money to pay right. my fucking rent, and therefore it makes sense for my landlord to get this money from the federal government to cover. And then you don't end up in a situation where. You're a landlord, and you, let's say you have a duplex or something, right? You're, you're a, a homeowner, and you also have a second property, and you rent out these two things. And these bums, in your mind, haven't been paying the rent for the last year. And yeah, times are tough, but all they had to do was do some paperwork, and they couldn't even do that much for me so that I could get the, the money from the federal government to cover the— and now you want me to—I'm not allowed to get rid of these fucking people who right. wouldn't go so far as to do a little bit of paperwork to get uh, some money put back in my pocket? So. I can pay the property taxes on this. And we're assuming that— And and that's what's—that's the end of it where I'm like, of course, as a landlord, I wouldn't want this asshole to continue living there. Like, I'm compassionate up to a point. But if you're not going to meet me halfway and try to deal with the bureaucracy— And even as I admit that the bureaucracy fucking sucks and is designed to be impenetrable, like, if you're not going to go even that far, then, like, I understand why the landlord wants to get rid of you as a tenant at this point. What is uh, the best argument for— if you're on the side of continuing the eviction moratorium, right? Like, because it would have to be like an end point, right? Like, is this going to be like a forever war? Like, if, just like forever kick the can down the road? Or is it like in six no, months? No, because housing is – no, if, you, if we're talking about the progressive left here, the social justice Democrats, then yeah, you're talking about housing as a human right. And that eviction isn't a thing because eviction is evil. That's the 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 way that they use it is is they talk in biblical terms. It's it's actually evil because property rights are are a bogus construct. But, and instead, I mean, would that be that would not be a workable solution? Because then if everybody just stops, sure. Paying, but you're asking the question: What do they want? No, no, but, and what they I want mean, is an I mean, end I'll, to I'll, eviction I'll, as a concept. I would ask you for like the, the best case uh, argument. Maybe not an argument that someone on that side would be making, but just like a rational person's, okay, so this basically all it's doing is just buying us time to come up with a more concrete plan because the further this you know uh, goes on, you're 12000 behind in rent, $15,000 behind in Twenty thousand, and it's not getting better. Like it's not like you're in a better position in January of twenty two to pay off twenty grand uh, that you couldn't pay twelve grand now. You know, like so. And and but that's why ultimately my my thinking on it from a policy perspective comes down to the landlord assistance program instead of the rental assistance program, which is that you have the federal government as a single payer entity, which the federal government is really good at cutting checks. It's the same thing that we talk about when it comes to the healthcare stuff, right? Right, but. Again, I think that could work, but you you don't. The reason why I was floating the uh, use the evictions process to sort out because then now you have two highly motivated parties. The landlord will want to seek the eviction to get, kick him out, and then now the renter is going to. Yeah. Well, and, and I understand stay there. what you're saying, but the counter argument to that is that landlords are used to being in court and they're used to dealing with their lawyers, and they have far more means and the the tenants are automatically at the short end of the stick when it comes to dealing with the court system and it ends up just being easier for them to either no show or or just get evicted and go try and find some other place to live right Right, but what i'm saying is if the like in that in that setting to say i'm as the renter i have not been able to pay because specifically due to the pandemic and then i'm behind on rent and i would seek assistance 
that's available to me because Congress passed this, right? And so right. money is doled out in that. So they don't need some lawyer coming up with some scheme, right? Basically, it's just as simple as like you're in, in this situation and you, you're, you're in need of help and we can provide you this help through this process. Now, if you don't show yeah. up to it – I just I, – I see people in – the small exposure that I have to the municipal court system, and I, yeah. I do not trust that the average idiot who can't uh, pay the rent is going to be able to present or be even be willing to show up to present their side of the story in court. Uh, yes, in an ideal, uh, civically-minded world, I think that your idea is fine. What do you think is going to happen now, though, like in real-world stuff, not like what should happen? Because, like, I, I mean, they're going to now start the proceedings, and, and there'll be, like, a lot of, like, people just with their couches outside or like yeah there'll be a lot there there'll be a bunch more evictions i mean i i think that i mean unless there's a radical change in the disbursement of these tens of billions of dollars that have been set aside which doesn't appear to be the case the the biden administration just continually blames all of the state and local governments for failing to get the money out instead of uh, clawing it back and saying we'll we'll do the disbursement because we're better at that than you are i don't know yeah Nothing good, probably, and it will be a obnoxious thing that we have to hear about. I'm, I'm sure that the squad will end up sleeping on the steps of the Capitol building again before it's all said and done. Hearing about it, imagine living it. <laughs> it was really yeah, yeah, it's a, sure, absolutely. It's, it's, Bob is the real victim here. It's a bummer. All right, so an interesting story that I saw a couple weeks ago, and. It popped up again in the New York Times this week, so I was reminded of it, is Maine is about to – they've just passed a law back in July uh, signed by their governor that's going to make companies pay for recycling rather than individuals and uh, local municipalities. It's a, it's a, a scheme that has been tried and implemented successfully in Europe and other parts of Canada – but is considered transformative for here in the United States. It's the first statewide version of this sort of law. I think that there was one passed locally in a couple of, like, Oregon towns, uh, but this is the first statewide version of the law. Perhaps I'm totally ignorant. Like, for, for what, my one blind spot is in uh, this stuff, like this uh, uh, recycling thing, because I do a lot of things. Like you know, I'll donate blood and all the registries, and you know, if I die, do with with me. Yes, with yes. Tell us all the ways that you're but, a good person, Abe. Go but, ahead. And let's run down. Let's run down the list of how good you are. Blood. But I've never is spent to any, recycling. <laughs> I've never spent any time doing anything towards recycling. I don't understand. It's just like it just goes into a thing. Every time I Abe, watch a story, it goes. Do you nowhere. buy? Do you buy single use plastic water bottles? No, no, I have like a, a thingy in my jig. Cool. And, uh, Just checking. Yeah. No, I am a water tap man. Uh, whatever the city provides, I'll, uh, you know, that's basically my whole motto. Just whatever they give me, I take. Right. See, and you're, Abe's doing so his you're, part. You're Leave already him alone. doing far more than, than most Americans are. But what we're saying, what we're saying like, I, didn't, I didn't know until I just, I just looked at your little note here. I didn't know individuals paid for it. So not only do, do people do. Do we? Like, yeah, so we pay work? for our we pay for recycling through our it's our taxes, tax. largely through the sewer tax. I think the way it's that a, I it's pay an, for the roads. Oh, it's I mean, an add on. Yeah, it's an add on to the water and sewer bill. I think. Oh, okay. Then but I we, pay that we too. do pay for it. 
Okay. Um, they add like a few dollars on top of my rent. So you're some... paying for it right now. Probably. The point is, uh, like five years ago or something like that, China stopped taking a lot of our recyclables. They used to happily take uh, great big heaps of our plastic and other detritus, and that has largely dried up. And they so have their own garbage now. So we need. <laughs> Uh, that is probably why, right? So, <laughs> it's like, fuck it, we got our own shit. Right, so instead of uh, being subsidized by the Chinese, our recycling costs are much higher than they were even four or five years ago. And it's harder for municipalities to pay that bill. And one of the solutions, and this is this is a good idea, I like it, that the people who uh, produce the trash on the front end end up having to pay for the trash to be disposed on the back end, I used to have a take about single-use plastic, like Coke bottles and water bottles, which was that instead of it costing, and this was, the take is so old that you could buy a bottle of Coke at the grocery store for a dollar. Uh, now, it's fucking two goddamn dollars right? yeah. to get a Coke at the checkout line, and so I've stopped doing that, so good job on everything getting more expensive and causing me to drink less soda. That was good. I'm, they're uh, doing Okay. Yeah, they're doing fine. <laughs> My old take was that if the cost of the plastic water bottle or, or soda bottle actually reflected the cost of disposing of it as oh, well, I, yeah. then... Oh, they listen to you. Maybe would, it that's would what the extra dollar is for. I'm sure they're just right, pocketing it would, it all of it. No, but. they're just pocketing it. Right? <laughs> uh, then fewer people would be buying the plastic water bottles, and there would be much more incentive to find some other scheme whether it's a refillable thing or you buy the the bigger ones or the aluminum cans that will would cost less because aluminum is far cheaper uh to recycle than than plastic bottles are is this a targeted kind of thing like are they going after like pepsico and and coca-cola or what if i had like a small like mom and pop like yoga studio or something why am i paying no it's so it's everybody you just pay Uh you pay by the ton basically for how much waste you're creating Oh, and it's, okay, okay. Well, that that makes sense. Right, it makes a great deal of sense. And, I mean, it, what Lori brought up the plastic water bottle thing because I was watching the Falcons for like 10 minutes the other night, or last night the, uh, the Falcons preseason game was on. And they cut to Arthur Blank sitting in the owner's suite. And one thing that I notice, anytime they cut to the fucking billionaire asshole who owns the local sports team, is that they have before them on the table yeah, yeah. a display of like cold and sweating Coca-Cola bottles or Pepsi bottles, like whoever the local sponsor is, proudly, prominently displayed. Well, last night was a Dasani and a Coke right, right. next to each other, not really being like it, it, just as yeah. a status thing, as an advertisement well, for promotion. For, yeah, yeah. Right. And what I said last night was, how can we get to the point where the sweating Dasani bottle in front of Arthur Blank is tacky and gross instead of like refreshing and good. Right. Like that that, isn't how you framed it, and that's why we got into a fight about it. But that No, is, that is exactly what I said. It's not exactly what Okay, you go said. ahead. Explain what I said. You said how can we make it so water bottles aren't cool? And yeah, you said tacky. You didn't specifically say the Dasani. I didn't realize what you were saying. I thought you were talking about 
people drinking from single-use bottles as a status thing, which it's not. It's most rich people drink from right, but reusable water bottles. I know rich people. But the advertising over the last generation has been sure. this is clean and good and pure and refreshing, right. not uh, this is a piece of trash that's going to live for a thousand fucking years. Right. But it's also it's presented as convenient. You can just pick it up and go. You can just throw it away. Like if you right. have, but, you know. So in the same way, and my com- point of comparison was two things. One was with the plastic grocery bags, right, which has been a fairly effective campaign at taking plastic grocery bags as being something that's uh, simply convenient and an alternative to the trees-killing paper bag that you used to take your groceries home in. Right. right? Paper products are good for the planet. To something that is instead tacky and gross, right? That when you walk into the store, all of the signage is guilting you for failing to bring your reusable cloth bags that you either left in the trunk or you left uh, back home, and now you're going to have to take a plastic bag home, right? And and some localities have even banned the use of these uh, plastic grocery bags entirely. Just uh, from personal experience, uh, we still have a long ways to go at certain locations because, like, at my Kroger, most people are still uh, with the plastic stuff. I uh, found a solution. I just have, like, I bought so many of those things. I got, like, one in the car, one, like, outside my door. So when I go out, I can't possibly not see it. Uh, Like, basically, I devised a way to where... It kind of forces me, like, oh yeah, that's right, the bag. And well, there's right. a new, there's but you've a been well, thing. you've been well socialized right. to believe that it is wrong in a way to yeah. get the plastic bag at the store when right, you could just have a cloth one. And I, don't think that's and I read everywhere. Right, I read years ago that there was a piece in the Atlantic, and it probably was from some other study. And I, I'll try to track down the article, but it, it's from literally five or six years ago, so I don't know if I'll be able to find it. That said, you've got to use – if you buy a cloth bag in terms of its environmental impact, you have to use it for like 18 fucking years before it's it – something like 20,000 uses or right. something. But before it becomes the ecologically sensible thing for you to have done, which is to spend resources on something that it cost X amount of resources to create. And so my way of solving the problem – yeah, we have the, the cloth bags and I, I use them. But I'm not ever going to buy any more of them. And they will wear out long before it makes sense ecologically to have bought them in the first place. Uh, and they'll just be trash. And then, again... Meanwhile, every time my friend brings me a present, it's in a Lululemon bag. So, Right. Also a waste. always going to have bags. But, like, the thing is, we're always going to have bags around. Right. Just have fewer... Anyway, what I do is I repurposed a big cardboard box and I take and it fits perfectly into the grocery cart. And so I put it in the grocery cart. I fill it with my groceries. Then I unload all those groceries onto the cart and I leave the cardboard box. And then the instead of bagging my groceries, they just stack it back into my box and I can lift the box out of the cart and put it in my trunk. And that is a good solution. I'm that. proud of myself you for doing that. Paper products are good. Paper products are good. Because the people who make the paper products keep trees so that they can keep making the paper products. So they have these tree farms all over that have trees. It's the Forest Stewardship Council, which is on a lot of – I mean probably that tissue box is the Forest Stewardship Council product. They're good. People think it's waste of paper. Waste paper. Keep, maybe keep the, using paper. Maybe the handkerchief will make a return. Uh, Bob, if you get sick, you know, reuse – just a we have reusable napkins, but we just don't use them. Yeah. 
so that was the one thing where the, there's been a good sort of social pressure campaign to get people to stop using these plastic bags. And while I sort of – it's a half measure when they move to the stupid cloth bag, which ends up either getting ruined or thrown away or forgotten most of the time, that the correct thing to do is to get just cardboard boxes that you can use for literally years without having to replace them. That's one example of the social pressure campaign. Another one is the – that that goofy truth campaign of the last ten or fifteen years, where the the made all the teens start vaping instead of smoking to get the teens to stop smoking cigarettes yeah. and to switch to vape. Although they, that, that was a really effective social pressure campaign that has helped reduce the amount of smokers. And yeah, you can say that the much bigger help was the invention of these vape pens right. and electronic cigarettes. But that's still to the good. Like I know that there was all that fear mongering about the vaping for the last what, few years. What, and it's probably vitamin not, E or something that killed people? Or, what right. And for? so people are buying like black market marijuana filters or whatever yeah. to to stick into their vape pens instead of the Philip Morris branded shit. And yeah, I'm sure that it's not healthy to smoke an electronic cigarette, but relative to uh, burning the the tobacco and tar into your lungs, it's certainly better for you. And like I I feel like a campaign that is able to transform the appearance of the Dasani bottle in front of billionaire Arthur Blank from something that is supposed to make people think uh, refreshing Coca-Cola company, oh, how wonderful, to oh, this fucking moron right. who is worth $10 billion and just had a $2 billion palace built in the middle of one of America's finest cities, can't even pick up a glass and fill it. Like his infrastructure decisions are so poor <laughs> that he can't turn on the tap water and just get a drink. And instead he's got to be like a wasteful glutton who has a, a piece of plastic that's going to live forever. Like that's not a hard ad campaign to write. I, I, and, I think that that would be a very hard sell. Don't you? Cause, well, first of all, I think in, in that specific context and also in the coaches post-game interviews, they just have shit just so they can promote it. They're not drinking the Coke. I think somebody, in fact, like some athlete maybe in Europe got in trouble because – their can it was, was it was the uh, way. Ronaldo. Okay, it was Ronaldo. And he like, sat down and and moved the Coke cans out of the way, and then replaced it with a fucking Dasani bottle. Right. I think. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I, I think the the biggest obstacle. I think with cigarettes, there was, I guess, a you know, your friends were. Do, I don't know. I don't understand the the mindset of that. But like, on the cans and the bags, it's all about convenience and I get throw it away and I have to think about it. So you have to find a, a right, thing that I counters can, that. But an aluminum can of water is just as refreshing as a plastic water bottle that full of water weird. is. And anytime that there's a hurt, I guarantee you that Anheuser-Busch and Miller Coors have shut down a couple of production lines at their beer factories and are going to be filling hundreds of thousands of cans with just water to ship down into Louisiana over the next few days. Right. Just like they do after every disaster. Like there's no reason why you can't deliver water in, alum- in an aluminum can instead of in a, in a plastic water bottle. And is that sort of a half measure step? Yeah, sure. But I also don't think I'm going to be able to take a revenue stream away from the Coca-Cola company that accounts for 27% of their of their annual revenue when it just comes to bottled water. Like we're not going to fix – like we that ship is long sailed. The, the stupid soda companies are going to continue to sell us water that we can just as easily get from the municipal tap as long as we don't live in fucking Flint. Right. Um, or, or L.A. Their but, water is gross. But or if we Savannah. can shame them into sticking it into a less terrible container, yeah. uh, 
that that can still be sold for a buck a pop. I don't see uh, yeah, I think why that, 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 that isn't work, achievable. You wouldn't even need like an advertise. You don't need to win the hearts and minds of people. If that's the only thing they offer, they'll take that soda or that whatever water. I think people will, right. would complain. That's, yeah. I think I mean, I, if you I, carbonate it, I'll buy it. Yeah. I think there should like there there is a an easy thing where you can say, look, single use plastics have their place in certain scenarios, right? When it comes to uh, the medical field, for instance, like we don't want to be reusing these plastic syringes or whatever. So there's going to be an amount of waste that happens when it comes to this this petroleum-based uh, world that we've built all around us. But let's limit it to things that are strictly necessary rather than things that are obviously luxuries. All right. And yeah, and Maine's decision to force companies to pay up front for their eventual waste i think is a step in that direction are they the first in the the, the country to do like statewide yes. okay what else we got well i feel Nothing like there's, a, happened. Feel everything's like there's great. A, a big subject that's been in the global news for the last no, everything's fine couple of weeks or that we haven't or? everything's been fine oh yeah i think today's like the end of the war right hip hip that's right war is over 20 years well, a couple when we, months uh, short. we talked, we talked. See, everything's fine. When you were here, and actually, that when whole I was here, was... it feels like a, a million years ago because that was like the weekend that the government fell. Like, oh shit! Like every day, it's like, <laughs> and right, now like all... so much more has happened. It no, was all happening. It's fine. What has been your impression of the way this news has been covered over the last couple of weeks? Because I, I'm. I've arrived at a at an obnoxious take position no. here, but I'll, well, I'll let you go. No, the, I mean the, the the news coverage. I mean it was wall to wall. It was expected. I mean it was like a the handling of the. I, I think most people would agree that getting out is the right thing to do. Just the the sequence of events just threw me for a loop. I know this is not an appropriate uh, analogy to make because people are, are dying and bad things are first happening. First of all, first I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you yada yada. <laughs> Most people think it's a good idea because if you've read or paid any attention to the news over the last two weeks, that is certainly not the impression that you're getting by by following the the main networks and and reading the papers over the last couple. I of think weeks, right? still like all the polling show that like sixty five percent people would want to go out, but like like eighty percent did not like the way it happened. I believe that polling. This is no one knows anything right. about that whole situation. So whatever people think doesn't matter. Right. Anyhow, uh, to to make my uh, inappropriate analogy, like when I was watching all of it happen in the last two, three weeks, it kind of reminded me of like the, 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 the something about Mary scene where the Franken beans were like, how did this ha- show up ahead of that? Like basically like how is it that civilians were still in the country and most of the military was out? Shouldn't it be the other way around? It, it seemed like it was a poorly thought out exit. Uh, but I think yeah. now that and they're I, out, it's I, just like, you know, just get out I and think just forget about it. We can throw... You can throw darts at at the wall and hit basically anything and find something to complain about when it comes to this thing. And that that's because it's a fucking disaster. Not because it's a new disaster, but because it's been a disaster for 20 years. Right. right? So, yes. Does it make sense that the military was pulling out 
before all of the civilians were able to leave? Well, no, but also sort of yes, because the Afghan government requested that we not pull out our civil servants ahead of the military leaving because then the locals would be convinced that uh, they didn't have the support necessary to maintain the government after the military was gone, right? right? So they didn't want this mass exodus of civilians ahead of the military leaving because it would have shown a lack of faith in the ability of like it's a it's a it's a awful vicious it was a well prophecy lack of faith as it turns out though like they couldn't hold <laughs> they couldn't hold up. For like right. long enough, but, for but, but that's what I'm saying. I understand the the rationale for not having moved out the entire uh, civil service ahead of time because it would have been reinforcing the idea that it wasn't going to hold. And like to the point where I don't, the Taliban didn't think that they were going to have this level of success. They didn't right. expect right. that everybody was just going to lay down and let them take over. And it, like, there's an element not to turn everything into 1984, but there's an element of of like weird Orwellian thing happening in the way that uh, we've suddenly gone from we've been at war with the Taliban for the last 20 years to now the Taliban is asking us to help them fight against uh, potential terrorist groups. Like, like it, it, just on a dime, right. you go from these are the people who are trying to keep out of power to this is our partner in the region to make sure that and it just it just goes to show you the complete farcical nature of trying to do this in the first place where this is to remake a government in in asia that that just has no reason or willingness or interest in becoming a different sort of place than it already is, right? right? Like, yeah, sure. There's a lot of civilians who would like things to be different than they were. Not everybody is happy to live under the Taliban, but we cannot introduce enough sort of cultural inertia into a place to change things at such a fundamental level that the the people who are accustomed to being in power will no, will no longer be interested in being in power in the way that they've always known. Uh, it it really is a uh, bottomless pit, though. That uh, as you point, like it's, it's a weird kind of strange bedfellows thing where America and the Taliban have more in common. I mean, obviously the Taliban is still a shitty uh, organization, but there's yet a shittier organization in this new variant of ISIS, like ISIS K, who seem to just want to just destroy everything. Whereas it seems like the Taliban just wants to do- dominate and rule over the people in Afghanistan. Like ISIS K seems hell bent on just destroying everything, and so for like a right. very limited purpose, they kind of the Americans and them see eye to eye, which is kind of fucked up because like we were in this for twenty years to be against these people, and on our way out, we're partnering with them uh, so that we can, you know, get right. out. That's why. And a couple of weeks ago, like it was as much as I've known, especially since the Afghanistan papers from a couple of years ago. That this was a, a failed effort, right? That this was a – it was never going to hold. It wasn't going to take – that we were fed a long series of lies about how good things were actually going and how that money was being spent, which largely it was just being spent for the sake of it being spent, right? Like, like yeah. it's, it's as clear uh, an explanation of how the military-industrial complex is meant to function and how it successfully functions is the way that – that contractors and private companies were able to benefit uh, and 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 fill their coffers and pay their payrolls over the last 20 years. As much as I knew that, even two weeks ago, it was hard for me to swallow the idea 
that we were just simply handing power back over to the fucking Taliban, to this regressive 7th century bunch of, like, the actual patriarchy, right? Like, not the bullshit Western American uh, new feminist understanding of what it means to live under the boot heel of of masculinity and toxic masculinity and the patriarchy, but the actual fucking patriarchy that treats women as literal second-class citizens explicitly, not just culturally. But, like, it is good that we're not going to be doing this anymore. And you cannot drive the point home any more clearly than what happened on the way out, which is some fucking terrorist straps 25 pounds of explosive to himself and walks up to a checkpoint and kills 200 people including 13 u.s uh military people 12 marines and and somebody else right and so yeah and and in retaliation for that the united states uses a drone to allegedly kill two people who they refuse to identify in the mountains somewhere, presumably off of a cell phone signal that they had a, a previous connection with in some way, right? But they won't identify them, and they, they won't let anybody else uh, confirm the kill. So we don't know what actually happened there. And then the next day, they blow up a car that seems to have been laden with explosives and was almost certainly going to be used against the U.S. position at the airport there or to do damage in some other awful way. And so, yeah, on its face, that's a good idea too, right? Uh, Take out the car bomb before they can take you out with it. And in the meantime... uh, There were civilian casualties involved with that second one. In the meantime, you've killed a family of 10 or something like that as a result of blowing up that car bomb with an airstrike right like it's the externalities are are infinite and terrible and awful and there's no reason to be over there continuing to sort of just partake in them right right? because you're not going to be doing any sort of good and the and the horse shit that you have to listen to from the neocons as they crow about how right they've been and and what a disaster biden is is inflicting upon the people of afghanistan and upon the military is just that it's just absolute fucking horseshit because they would be perfectly happy to continue to endure a couple of dozen american casualties every year forever and and any number of thousands of afghan casualties civilian casualties and military casualties in an ongoing way that we wouldn't ever hear about there's a a study that or an accounting of how much attention was paid in United States media to Afghanistan over the course of 2020 across three network news outlets that devote 30 minutes to the news every single day. It was five minutes. And it was at the time that Mike Pompeo struck a deal with the Taliban to hand power back over to them at the end of February of 2020. That's how much attention we were paying to this war at this point despite the fact that thousands of people died every single year for the last 20 years. So get the fuck out of here telling me that what we should actually be doing is maintaining a presence there. If if what you're actually worried about is the loss of human life and American life, then the, I'm and I'm sorry that they're dead, but the 13 service people who died at the airport this week is a relatively small price to pay to be getting the fuck out of there. I mean... It- I think most people would rather that they didn't have to pay it. I mean, now we're out, right? So basically the 
harm going forward to American life is should be basically zero now. I'm sure there's some special forces still ha- lingering uh, under the radar. But uh, I, I do wonder, uh, I was watching, this is a year or two ago, like I think it was CNN, they did like a 60s, 70s, 80s, like a decades kind of like each episode talking about different things. And there was an episode on the end of the Vietnam War, there was like some newsman, I don't know if it was Walter Cronkite or someone else, but he was standing in front of all these, semi, you know, all these dead you know, at a cemetery, rather. Uh, and they're basically saying, like, if nothing else, the gist of it was, if nothing else, this experience in Vietnam has shown us that we should never do this sort of thing again, right? Like, go into some sort of conflict without any clear mission and just kind of just have people die, a lot of money spent, people argue about it, and then it ends, and, and, and the government falls, the weak government, and, you know, yada, 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 like 30 years later, you just, you know, you have relations with that country, and everything kind of works out. Now, we've had 20 years of this in Afghanistan, we still, I guess, are in Iraq and Syria, but, like, do you think that after this, like, the Will we finally get to the point where like people are going to say, fuck no, we're not going to go into another Afghanistan? Or do you think we have a short memory, some other animating event will happen, and we'll say, fuck yeah, let's go kill somebody, and then we're back into square one? Like, Do you think that we're still going to repeat this in the future? Of course we're going to repeat it, because there will be a, a terrorist attack that can be tra- traced back to some unaccounted for stretch of desert allegedly under Taliban control but largely just run by some fucking local warlord right like there there will be a precipitating event that leads to american politicians insisting that we need to make more war but do you think uh, it'll be like the, the, with the amount of troops that were in afghanistan and in iraq because like uh for example like no because we don't fight that we don't fight that uh, a surge like the one that obama did is basically like uh, you know inconceivable at this point right, we don't fight saying, wars so like that, that anymore right so that will end because like there are things like in Syria or Somalia or other places where there's a light footprint. There's just like special forces. They do very specific things. No, it's the worst of all possible worlds, which is that we it's it's just a drone warfare program right. moving forward, right? Right. And it's and it appears from the ground where it fucking matters to be entirely unaccountable, right? right. And to be just hell rained from above by the imperialist American devils, right? right? Understandably so, and because that's what the fuck it looks like. Also, uh, the technology will be such, I mean, you know, the passage of time, eventually, I mean, I'm sure we'll have some defenses, but there will come a time where it'll be cheaper to, to, to have these kind of weapons, and it'll just be raining down on people wherever, like, it could be on some mountain range somewhere in Utah, and you get blown up. Like, is that possible? Like in like 30 years, it seems like things, people are almost like comfortable with like, Oh, that it is kind of fucked up, but it's, I'm sure they did something wrong. And in any case, it's happening over there, but like just a clear eye, I mean, a, a clear blue eye, a blue sky day and you're dead. Like just like, that's such a weird. Right. Well, and, presumably the hope is that American air defense keeps a pace 30 years ahead of the, you know, as as they finally get a Predator drone online in the year 2040 or whatever, right. we'll have something akin to an Iron Dome. Well, let's hope for that. I've just been two weeks of this and having to listen to all of the people who were so wrong about what the last 20 years were supposed to look like and hear them crow and and dismiss Biden and the decision to pull out as 
as somehow weak and and ultimately bad has just I'm just so fucking sick of hearing it. Like it is it is an absolute and I don't like to talk about the good things that politicians do because they're usually purely self-interested and self and, and motivated for the wrong things. And largely you can see the ways in which the things that they, they try to do for the good can have obvious negative uh, ramifications. And, and yeah, if you want to say that the next terrorist attack is on Biden's head, that's your fucking bullshit rhetorical point and you can have it. But like this is it's just so obviously better that we are not in this arena in the way that we've been in that arena uh, that that I, I just cannot take seriously too much of the criticism about the way that it was handled. But but that's also like the least surprising thing about it. If you've paid any attention to, to, to the way the federal government and our our completely incoherent response to most tragedies and and most big problems right whether it's the the fact that we set aside 50 billion dollars for people to be able to pay their rent and we can't even get it out the fucking door right, right? we don't do anything very well anymore right. if we ever did we're not we we have not handled covid in a way that a, a functional goddamn society should have been able to handle covid so it's not at all surprising to me that when we pull back from military engagement that nothing goes particularly fucking great right that's not surprising right so get out of here with your we could have finagled this in such a way that there wouldn't have been any uh, negative externalities that happened no of course not this was a horrible fucking thing we stuck our dick where it didn't belong and it got beat to shit and when you pull it back out it's going to be unpleasant on the way back out as well that wasn't very much fun what else can we talk about that's, that's... i told you everything was fine uh, i don't know i just i hope that like i think biden is kind of a mess like i think that the biden administration uh the presidency is effectively over i think that he's going to pay a great political price on any number of fronts, I don't. I don't see the Democrats, as we've discussed before, and you disagreed. Uh, I don't see them maintaining control of the House or the Senate, and that uh, this will be painted, at least in the mainstream media, as largely a failure, rather than what I think of as an absolute good, which is that we're no longer there. I... And and who knows? And and George W. Bush famously said, you know, history will be my judge right ultimately and and By maybe the way, ultimate mr president history ringing in <laughs> you fucked up going to afghanistan but you know like this is supposed to be the uh the the, the jury's back right, but who's paying right. the price for that right. now none right. of the people like david frum is still out there right but the, you know on twitter talk, like like get the fuck out of here I, I, all I, of these assholes but you know that's to be expected you know I'll, again i, I just kind of like it's baked in, like it's expected to have all the hot takes and people saying all these ridiculous things in the moment. But back to your point, as far as you thinking the presidency is over and blah blah blah, I still maintain nothing's really changed uh, between between now and November of twenty two. A lot of things will happen, and and that you know things closer to the election in the midterms will dictate what happens uh, during the elections. But in a, on a general note, like it seems like everything. So much happens, and the shelf life is so short. Like, maybe it was because we were in high school or I was in high school, but, like, when Columbine happened, that was, like, a big thing for a long time. And then now, like, if a school shooting happens, like, you know, Stone, whatever, it's, like, 
a two-week story. And if it happened again like a month from now, it will be like a one-week story. It, it seems like uh, these different events have a shorter shelf life. So like something like this, maybe a long time ago, would have lasted for a while. I don't think it will. This hurricane that came through New Orleans, it's not going to be as big. You know, it's a story for the people that live there. But after a couple of days, they'll just move on to something else. Or they'll go back to COVID. Yeah, I'm not denying. The, I'm, the not done, I'm not denying that the that the news cycle is is its own beast and will largely move on from this. Uh, I mean, this has got legs, but it, it certainly isn't going to last for the next two years because in terms other of things, being yeah. at the center of the national conversation. Right. Other things can happen. And also, like, uh, uh, where I was wrong on the other way was uh, 2011, May, when bin Laden was killed. I was like, oh, uh, Obama and the, the, the party are just going to cruise in 22, you know, 2012. And, I right. mean, you know, Obama won, but it was very tough for Congress, for the, for, for the down-ballot races – because that was like May of 11. That was a long time ago. Nobody cares about that. They moved on to something else. You know, so you, you, you know, if the Republicans think they can just bank on this, I mean, they'll try to, but other things will happen. The rental eviction thing, other things will happen. And we'll see where that takes us. But not a very good It's two, just It's just weeks. hard to point. It's hard to point to something in the last 20 years of American foreign policy and the, the deployment of our military forces where you can say oh yeah that was good that was that was the right decision actually right? that's a good question and, what is the yeah because like i mean and it's to finish the thought this is one of those things where when you say what did biden do that was good when it comes to foreign policy my answer will be almost like no matter what happens if 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 the taliban has to have a fucking civil war to try to prevent the rise of of ISIS K and and the, and there are terror attacks that manage to spring up from the region and 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 go elsewhere. That will all be terrible, and I will still point to Biden's decision, given given the facts as as they were, right? Which is that let's not forget, and and as much as Mike Pompeo wants you to forget <laughs> that it was Mike Pompeo and the Trump administration who set this up to begin with, who without involving the Afghan government that was supposed to be able to withstand at least for a year or 18 months, or maybe if we're lucky, two or three years, was able to, was supposed to be able to stay in charge in Afghanistan and keep the Taliban at bay. He, he decided that he wasn't going to involve the Afghan government in the negotiations with the Taliban, right? He decided that. The Trump administration decided they were going to turn power back over to the Taliban, Effectively, I can't right? even fall. And I mean, that was that was the world that that Biden inherited, right? But but maybe I mean I'm starting to think maybe that they were right in that too because I mean this what government like they just collapsed immediately. It was like such a quick. There was like no effort. So maybe they, you know, the Pompeos and then they sussed it out. They're like, why are we even dealing with? They're not going to do anything. Although I don't know right. why that's not on the reports, you know, why were they right? Of course for not, because months? if if that was the real politic uh, calculation that they made, then they should own up to it now. Right. But that would be giving too much credit to the potential credit to the Biden administration. No, but, but what I'm saying is, it seems like both the Trump administration and the Biden administration were aware that the Taliban, I mean, the Afghanistan government was not really anything, and so why were they projecting? These lofty, like, ooh, 12 months, 18 months, maybe two years, you know, they'll hold up. You know, shouldn't they have been like, they, they, may, they won't make it through the weekend. Like, why wasn't that on the report? Like, whatever we planned, we should still get out. 
but planned for this falling apart immediately. Why wasn't that one of the possible scenarios? Like, because that's what happened, right? That, that, like, I think it would have been fine if we knew that going in, and maybe they can kind of uh, had the defenses set up in such a way to expect that. But they didn't. They thought it was going to be, oh, six months maybe. That would be, like, worst case or whatever. But at least we'll be out by then. It won't matter. That didn't yeah. happen, and then, you know, it just kind of fell apart. Oh, it's, uh, it's words to live by from us, I think, is uh, plan for this to fail immediately. Yeah. <laughs> at least have a thing on the book. Like, there was... <laughs> Uh, college football season has started and uh, Nebraska uh, over the weekend lost and uh, the coach who's on the hot seat said we didn't know they were going to line up that way like first of all don't say that out loud I mean don't tell them that you weren't prepared to lose but like you should have a contingency plan what if they do this like this it's not out of the realm of possibility just all I'm saying just plan for that and then you can the coach, the coach who Nebraska went out and hired <laughs> after paying like six million dollars to get rid of the last coach who'd gone like who'd gone like five hundred in his coaching career, and the new guy is like fucking six and eighteen and, or something and, like and that. Everybody since wanted him. Didn't Florida also? Why couldn't Florida have gotten that guy? Just so they could have sucked even more. That, that, but there were so many teams that were vying for this guy, and I don't know what's going on at uh, or was it UCF or whatever, but like. That's what I'm saying. Contingency plans, everybody. What if things fall apart? You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. You can find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Just head over to castironbrains.com or brainiron.com, where I absolutely plan to get blogging again. I haven't... No excuse not to. haven't done regular blogs in quite some time. Mm. haven't done a blog period in quite some time. But I will be writing every single goddamn day. And at least some of that will be getting up on the blog. Maybe I'll start giving like a weekly update just to try to keep myself honest in terms of how many words I wrote this week. So this week I wrote uh, a thousand words and I read all of them at the top of the show in that uh, long, obnoxious essay about uh, Google Maps. Got to speak truth to power, Bob. Tell those punks. Opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. You can find his band at tetramermusic.com. That's T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. What uh, what have we been watching the last couple weeks, Laura? We started watching White Lotus. Oh. True. Um, we, you were gone. I was gone. And then... We still fucking trying to finish Succession. Still got to finish Succession. When's White it? Lotus is fine so far. I'm, when I when I finish, we're only two episodes in, okay. but we'll finish it, and then I'll have something to say about it. I'm sure. What did I do last night? I watched like the first half of Ad Astra, which was a uh, movie from 2019, Brad Pitt, which I saw in theaters. It was 2019. It wasn't before then. That seems fairly recent. I think it was 2019. Okay. Pretty sure. I love that movie. I've I only got through half of it last night before I had to go to bed, but that's the one where like he a, goes and tries to seek out his old man or whatever, some other Yes. Okay. Yes. Really, really wonderful movie. If you haven't seen it and you're into sort of contemplative Real science fiction. Movie. It's sort of a bummer. Uh you should check it out. And the other thing that I've done in terms of media consumption this summer is finally wrapped itself up. I read the entire Dark Dark Tower series by Stephen King, which I'd never read before, despite reading the large bulk of his output. 
uh, in his career. I'd never read the Dark Tower series, which is something like 4,300 pages worth of material spread out over seven books. I started it the week after the 4th of July holiday and just finished up last week. It gets an enthusiastic thumbs up. I won't get into all of my various things that I have to say about it because they're very, very specific. Maybe someday I'll I'll write about it and you can hear about them then. But anyway, it was good. I like like love the Stephen King, but I've got big problems with it too. Uh, four to three hundred words, or pages. no 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 no, no. forty three hundred pages <laughs> words <laughs> pages. <laughs> so many pages. That's a lot of words. What about you? What have you gotten into? Um, I watched. Uh, Actually, oh, um, just forgot that that other Snake Eyes, the one that you were talking about, I did circle back to watch with. Oh, uh, nice! W- which was actually better than this stupid movie that I watched. Well, no <laughs> shit, it's better than GI Joe, you idiot! First of all, it's so, Brian De Palma and Nicholas Cage. So many people were in this. Uh, the Lieutenant Dan guy, Gary Sinise, yeah, is in Gary there. Yeah, Gary Carla Gugino, very young, is in there. Hell yeah, uh, she is. Uh, <laughs> there was like a guy from like. I knew from like Veep, like an asshole from Veep was in that movie. I forget his name. It's one of these people. But it was entertaining enough, you know. It wasn't too shabby. Although the, oh, it's the, a very, the, very, very silly movie. The but plot also a was really, very ridiculous. Really like all of these different moving parts just so they can – like some missile or some shit that kills people. But they wanted to, to – I don't know. But again, better than the other Snake Eyes. Uh, yeah, highly, highly stylized adult – Silly action movies just aren't a thing anymore, right? Like, it's just John Wick, and that's, like, it. Yeah. Whereas the the 90s was just full of them. Right. And, yeah, they were silly, but they were fucking fun. Yeah, they weren't too shabby. Uh, the other movie I saw was, uh, it's called, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but it's called Nine Days. And, basically, the concept is interesting. I mean, the execution you can quibble with, but it's basically before life, you know, like, and souls are like interviewing to to get into planet Earth or whatever to like live. I'm explaining it poorly, but basically, it's set in. Wasn't there a, a Pixar movie about this? What was the? If there is. I don't recall. Yes, yeah, Soul. Soul was exactly oh, that. Where you're right. Where the the little soul characters have to try to get down to Earth. But for I the thought. First time so I whatever. thought the guy like dies after like getting his dream job, and then he right, tries right, to. But he didn't want to. Yeah. He didn't want to be dead, so but he snuck is, back into the beginning. Basically, it's just like this, like some random place, and this guy's interviewing like seven people, or however many people, and over the course of nine days, he whittles it down to the one candidate who's suitable for life. He has lived. on on earth and you know basically it's like this very fragile person people are mean to him and so he only wants like like uh people who have thicker skins you know and so somebody other people that are kind of like him like very like they uh mean well they're nice they're empathetic like no no i'm trying to prevent you from you know earth there's a bunch of meanies and you know whatever so that part kind of falls apart but just the concept of just like before life Trying to work your way into life was interesting, but and it was something different. So you know, was that in the theaters? Where yeah. do people find that? In the theaters, yeah. Okay. So. Are you reading anything? What are you reading right now? Uh, I'm still going through that. I, I uh, I'm reading at a much slower pace. Uh, this uh, it's called Reagan Land. Basically, it's just talking about the the rise right. of the conservative movement in the 70s. 
pretty good stuff. I uh, have some bad news for you. It's uh, football season starting, and you will not be reading that book any faster. <laughs> That is true. But at the pace that I'm going, it won't make a difference <laughs> if there is football. And yeah, the Georgia and Clinton are, are playing this weekend. See, today is August 30th, which means it is game week. That's right. Easy win for Georgia. Georgia plays Clemson yeah. this Saturday. Is it a night game, I think? 7.30. 7.30. Who you got, Abe? I think Georgia's going to win. This is going to be a... Oh, we're not. It, it, Although Abe's never been wrong. There are different, so. there are different types of Georgia season. This is going to be like, uh, uh like, uh, And there's been many of those, right? So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Georgia opened strong, and then they're like, oh, we beat... I think they got some Hawaiian as quarterback in Clemson. Come on, give me a break. Uh, and then things will fall apart like in December or January, as uh, is tradition. But I think I'm... Feeling fairly confident Georgia can win this. Even though the, I was the, looking on my on my gambling app, I was surprised to see that uh, Georgia's the dog and is getting points. Yeah. Right. I mean, that kind of makes... Yeah, we have a lot of injured people. Right. And, you know, Clemson's been around, you know, so they... It's kind of hard to, to handicap first game. I'm not even sure if I like it. I wouldn't mind if they just had, like, this one garbage game and then the main game. Because, like... There's no preseason in college. It's just like the very first game. Right. Here yeah. We have no idea. It's, no idea what kind of team we have. People, I've been talking about it all week. Or last week, fucking people asked me about football. And it's like, I don't know. It's the first game. Right. We lost to Boise State that time. Right. Like, no one knows anything. Right. It's a shit. That's why having the. Yeah, I think, I think Georgia's going to win, though. Having the UABs and the Louisiana whatevers. Yeah. As the first game is the way you want right. it. Like, it's not exciting, but it's smart. Didn't, uh, which year was a Notre Dame year? Because like, there was like a game and then like That Notre was game Dame. two. Yeah, so it's something like that. And sometimes, you know, when South Carolina used to be good, that would yeah. be like the second game. You know, like, just yeah. get a game under your belt and then... But, you know, both teams are facing the same dilemma, so it should be a wash. Yeah. yeah, no, it's just... just it's just... Just fucking hate that yabo dabo. <laughs> I hate him too. <laughs> don't want him to win anything. How many co- co- coaches? Do you, is there any southeastern conference coach you don't mind? Well, he's not a southeastern conference oh, that's right. coach. Or so. the Kirby is a. I don't hate Nick crazy Saban. Person, Nick maniac. Saban yeah, has personally hurt me. You're wrong about but that. But I don't Lori. hate him. I don't like that man. I li- I like him. I just wish he wouldn't do the things to me that he's done. Yeah. But it should be fun. Are you going? I thought you were going to that I game. I would, but then uh, I think a couple of people's plans fell through. So I was like, I'm not going to go if it's just going to be like one other person. It was, it was like a larger group that was planning on going. Uh, and so we're not going to go now. Was that one of those awkward things where it's like, uh, yeah, six of us will go. That'll be a fucking blast. <laughs> and then you like look around and it's just like you and that that one other pal and you're like, like ah. I know that we're I know we're friends but like are we are we really that sort of friends who are gonna get in the car just the two of us and, and drive 150 miles and That's right. see a football game we're, we're, buds, we're buds but are we yeah. we're the kind of buds we need other buds around maybe let's go to the bar or yeah. something instead which That'll is basically be... what we're gonna do just find some place that's showing it and just you know be obnoxious should be fun. Yeah, that'll be fun. You uh, you got anything else for us tonight, Abe? Nope. I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then, and we will talk to you next time. Later.
you are still currently subscribed to the still, Sunday. I looked at it, and of course, I'm trying to like find on the website today how to cancel your subscription or how to change your subscription. And right. it's like, oh, just call this number from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. four days a week to talk to a representative. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you're telling me that you can't just give me a fucking button to press so right. that I can go... Like, I guess they want to build in as much uh, friction as possible, but it's the sort of thing that really puts me off. Uh, I, I, there, there, there must be some study on this where it's like if you create a few hurdles like to prevent any impulse cancellations, humans are very fickle. In two seconds, they'll forget about it if you ask right. them to do an extra thing. Well, in so part, like, it's because somebody's like online at... Uh, 11.30 at night, two martinis in, like yeah. screaming screaming at some op-ed that they read. Like, i got to cancel that, and they try to figure it out, and then they can't do it because they have to call the next morning at 10. Uh, <laughs> it's like, just you wait tomorrow morning, and then they forget in the morning. Right. For a treat here. By the way, uh, do I need to know what <laughs> navigation app it is? I just quickly uh, looked at. Uh, did something no, happen? Will be. <laughs> Bob got to work on this all day, yeah. so. Oh, this should be great. Fred, you can fuck right off. I'm about to start talking. You can go away. Yeah. Okay.